you're eating lean beef, lean chicken, lean fish, that type of carnivore is not gonna work for you. Beef, butter, bacon, and eggs, there's a reason why that caught on. Nisha Salas, Hyphen Berry. A world-renowned health expert. The co-founder of The Proper Human Diet. She cured her disease with food. And you can do it too. Everything started showing up around 27. I gained 40 pounds in a very short amount of time. Headaches pain all over my body. I should not be feeling the way that I'm feeling. I was talking to my then boyfriend at the time, Dr. Perry. He was worried. I really think it's Hashimoto's. Even if your antibodies are normal, that whole time I was sick, as sick as I'd ever been in my life. Ken was doing carnivore and I was like, well, I feel peer pressured to do carnivore. So I'm going to try it. After like two days of true carnivore, I slept all night long. And the minute I woke up, I was like, Holy crap, there's something to this too. I'd been off thyroid medication. I lost probably five more pounds. Carnivore is magical, the way that it clears your mind, heals your gut, get your labs in the right direction. If people just get out of their own way, do the carnivore for 90 days, the body is ancient and wise. There are so many health experts on the internet and I'm grateful for them all. I'm married to one, right? However, you have to become your own health expert. The people who are doing carnivore and saying, I don't feel good, have unwittingly done a few things in their transition to carnivore. Now let's get into the carnival insider tips so that people can get the same results as Anisha. What is the first one? You have to be honest. This interview with Nisha shows the true power of carnival. Carnival literally saved her life. She cured her autoimmune disease and she did all this with support. So if you're new to Carnival and you need support, I would like to invite you to join the Go Carnival app. Every week we have new meal plans, recipes, and fat loss challenges. And we also have your favorite Carnival doctors like Dr. Anthony Chafee, Dr. Elizabeth Bright, and Dr. Kiltz to help support you. So if you'd like to join, there is a clickable link in the description of this video, or just go to gocarnival.com. Nisha, welcome. Hi, Rena. Thank you for having me. When people start carnival, it usually takes them a good year to figure out how to start carnival the right way. And they usually experience challenges, especially in the beginning. But Nisha, you're in a very unique position that you have Dr. Berry by your side. And you started Carnival and in just 90 days, you were able to fix your autoimmune condition. So today, Nisha and I are going to talk about her health struggle, how Carnival saved her life and her insider tips so that you can get the best results in just 90 days. But Nisha, my first question is, so that we understand food is truly medicine, take us back to the first sign that something was wrong. So I'd always been healthy. My entire life never had any health issues, no weight issues. I was the picture of health. I was one of those girls that could eat whatever I wanted, didn't gain a pound, the envy of all my friends. And um, so when I first started noticing something was wrong was, I, well, I guess the first sign was I've always had thick hair, like very thick hair, long hair, blessed. <laughs> and I was in my old car and it had a sunroof. And I noticed that when the sun shined on my head, I could see through my hair. My hair had thinned so much I could see my scalp. And that had never happened to me before. I'd always had such thick hair and I was like, that's odd. Um, hmm. Uh, but the real big eye-opening thing that happened, the symptom was my memory, my what people call brain fog when it is associated with Hashimoto's. I didn't know that's what it was at the time. I just was like, I can't remember anything. I, I couldn't complete a sentence even. I sounded dumb. <laughs> to uh, anyone who didn't know me, they'd be like, well, she's an idiot because I literally could not bring my thoughts into words in a way that I always have been able to do. So that was a really big sign. I was scared. It was a very scary thing. Um, it was so severe that I was Googling symptoms of early onset dementia. And that's when I really thought something's going on with me and I, I have to figure this out. And I dug into forums and Google and women who were having these type of symptoms, low libido, hair loss, uh, unexplained weight gain. Like I gained 40 pounds in a very short amount of time, uh, headaches, pain all over my body. And I found a lot of women attributing this to, I'd had breast implants 
and I found the the breast implant illness section of the internet and I was like, oh, maybe it's that. And then I found about birth control causing a lot of these symptoms too. And then I had panic attacks. I'd never had a panic attack in my life. And I started having those regularly. That was very scary and out of nowhere. And before I knew it, uh, I was talking to my then boyfriend at the time, Dr. Perry. <laughs> and he was worried that, uh, you know, something was definitely going on with me. And we started thinking it was maybe thyroid related, but that, that was the first signs was all of those symptoms kind of cascaded one right after another, all in a very short amount of time. And it was very scary for sure. So if somebody doesn't know what Hashimoto's is, it's an autoimmune disease. So, so we're going to talk about carnivore and how diet actually helped you so much. But when you were, were having those symptoms, you know, the pain, the brain fog, um, hair loss, what did your local doctor tell you? Um, so I was going to a nurse practitioner and I told her something's wrong. I want you to check my sex hormones, uh, my thyroid, something, something is not right with me. And so she did check my sex hormones. She was like, everything's normal. And she said, your TSH is normal. And it was. And, and she just told me that I had just been through a divorce at the time when these first, these symptoms first started coming on, like a year prior, I'd been through a lot of stress. And she was like, it's your ex-husband. It's the divorce. It's just, you're stressed out. You're fixing to get into RN school. This is normal, what you're experiencing. Nothing is wrong. And I told her that that I didn't believe that. I was like, I've been stressed out my whole life, okay? Um, this is not the same. This is different. There's something going on. I have a wonderful, wonderful boyfriend now. I have everything I ever wanted. There's no reason for me to feel depressed and anxious all the time. Things are wonderful, better than they've ever been in my entire life. I should not be feeling the way that I'm feeling. Um, so she gave me Buspar. She gave you what? She gave me Buspar, which is... a uh, kind of like a, a baby Xanax kind of thing. And then she also gave me Celexa, um, which I didn't take. I took the prescription, I got it filled, and it just sat on my dresser for months and months because I knew deep down that that was not what was going to fix this. That there was something else going on. I was not just anxious and depressed for no reason with my life going as well as it could be. Um, and, the, and so that's just what I kept getting told. I went to probably two or three nurse practitioners and they were all, they all wanted to give me Celexa or Buspar. What did Dr. Berry have to say at that time? At the time we had not really known each other as long as like I, my, these symptoms started happening right about the time we started dating and getting to know each other. And so he only knew this new version of me that was had no energy and didn't want to go anywhere and just wanted to stay at the house and just lay on the couch and read a book and watch a movie. And so he couldn't understand how much of a difference the old me versus this person that he had met right when these symptoms started happening. So he was almost not sure what to think until I think I just finally had a breakdown one day and I was like, you have to listen to me. This is not me. I am not this person. I am, I am happy and I'm full of life and I love to travel and I love to do all these things that you want to do. I just can't do it. And I don't know why. And I can't fix it. We have to figure this out. And that's when he, first, when he was like, okay, all right, we're going to figure this out. What's going on? And so then that's when we started thinking, maybe it's not thyroid. Maybe it's an auto, autoimmune disease. And then we started doing my labs, checking those things. And in the beginning, even with all those symptoms, I didn't have any elevated antibodies, but I had all these horrible symptoms. So I think that just goes to speak that like you have to keep advocating for yourself. Even if the labs say you're fine, if you don't feel fine, keep going, keep digging, keep researching. And so we did. And he just was like, I really think it's Hashimoto's. Even if your antibodies are normal, all, all the boxes are checked here. And so when we went to the fertility specialist, that's when they had finally started to show up as elevated on my lab values. But that whole time, I was sick. 
as sick as I'd ever been in my life. What age was this at? Um, everything started showing up around 27 when I was 27. An autoimmune disease doesn't develop just in your childhood or when you're born. It can develop in your 20s. Yes, anything can trigger it. Can It can lay dormant if you're living a proper life and feeding yourself proper food and having, you know, these healthy habits that I now have. But at the time I was not sleeping because of school and work and I was not resting well because I was stressed out all the time. I'd had a lot of trauma in the year before with my previous marriage. I'd had implants put into my body. I'd had Epstein-Barr virus. I'd had all these things like all at one time that tipped that needle to push my body to be like, okay, we're going to flip that epigenetic switch here and she's going to have Hashimoto's now. During that time that you had all that stress, all that trauma, what were you eating? What was your diet like? (laughs) Um, The typical college girl diet, beer, pizza, fast food, vending machines, uh, Red Bull energy drinks. I was smoking at the time. Um, I started out as a CNA and LPN and I worked at a nursing home. Everybody smoked. If you didn't smoke, you didn't get a break. And so I would go sit out there with the girls who smoked. And before you knew it, I was smoking too. So that that also was a habit that I had done to my body. Like that wasn't good, right? And the energy drinks weren't good and the food wasn't good. And I wasn't sleeping well. And I was partying with my friends in downtown Nashville on my nights off. Like I was not treating my body with the respect that I should have been treating it. And it paid me back for doing all that abuse by giving me an autoimmune disease. It's so interesting that you being a nurse and being in the healthcare industry, you think that nurses and doctors, they're very healthy people and that, oh, they must be really healthy if they're going to give me advice, but you weren't very healthy. No. And really, (laughs) maybe it's better now, but when I was working bedside, hospital, labor and delivery, nursing home, none of the nurses were healthy. I don't know, maybe one Maybe one was healthy. The rest of us, we all smoked. We all drank energy drinks all day long to get through the day. Um, We, you know, we just didn't live. We didn't practice what we preached. And we talked about that a lot. Every now and then we'd be like, isn't this ironic that I'm giving this advice? And here I am drinking an energy drink and eating a slice of Domino's pizza at the nurse's station. So that, that means that we have to advocate for ourselves in terms of if you have something wrong, you have to try to not just fix it yourself, but be an advocate for yourself. So try to find the answer yourself. If the first specialist or doctor doesn't give you the answer, see a second, see a third, see a fourth until you get the answer. So when you were diagnosed with Hashimoto's, was there medication given to you or did you change your diet? Yes and yes. Um, So my fertility specialist wanted to put me on levothyroxine or Synthroid, but Ken was with me and we were married and trying to have a baby and he had already done all this research, of course, because that's, if you've met him, he lives for research. And so he convinced the doctor to give me a desiccated thyroid. So I think I was put on either Nature or the other one. There's several different names for him, but I was on a desiccated thyroid medication. Um, all the way through IVF, through my pregnancy until 2020, that's what I was taking. When did you transition to carnival and how did you find out about carnival? <laughs> so prior to my IVF, I had done keto and eased into it begrudgingly. I did not want to do it, but I saw in just seven days of doing lazy keto, like just taking the bun off my burger, not eating the fries, you know, pork rinds instead of chips, I saw benefits within seven days. So I was like, okay, worth it, because I feel so horrible. And now I feel better already. Maybe I should give this a longer go. And then um, my friend Kim Howerton, she and Ken had met on the internet and done some live streams together. And she was doing carnivore and Ken was doing carnivore. And I was like, well, I feel peer pressured to do carnivore. So I'm going to try it. So I did a very short stint in the summer of after I tried keto. And I was like, shocked at what I saw in that short amount of time. I hadn't slept through the night. And I don't even know, probably five years at that point, I was toss, turn, get up, pee. I couldn't, could not sleep through the night. After like two days of true carnivore, I slept all night long. And the minute I woke up, I was like, holy crap, there's something to this too. This is crazy. 
and I lost uh, probably five more pounds at the time. I was like 125, and that like within the two week span that I dipped my toe into it, I lost five more pounds. So that was like awesome, cool, because I was going to the beach. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna go back to keto. But I always kept my keto, even when I was calling it keto, it was mostly meat on my plate. I just never was a vegetable type of girl. I didn't love broccoli. You know, I didn't like asparagus. I didn't like any of that stuff. Like, I just it wasn't a hardship to give up broccoli and cauliflower and that sort of thing. It was the pasta and the pizza and the chips and things like that that were hard for me. And I loved guacamole and salsa. Like that was it. So even back then, I was eating mostly meat and continued to see benefits. And then I met Dr. Kiltz, who is a fertility specialist. I think you've had him on before. And he was advocating for his baby diet is what he calls it, which is beef, butter, bacon, eggs, and his homemade ice cream to optimize the IVF process. We only had one egg. A lot of people have more than that. We only had one. So I knew I had to put literally all my eggs in this basket. And I was like, I'm willing to do whatever I have to do to make my body as healthy as possible. So this baby has a, a healthy place to live while I'm carrying him. And so I did carnivore for 90 days leading up to my IVF. <laughs> and um, it wasn't that hard, honestly, because, but I think because I had that huge why, why was I doing carnivore? I was trying to be as healthy as possible for this baby, right? That why kept me going very easily. I had a, a you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get pregnant. Okay. That's what's going to happen. I was very like positive thinking, that sort of thing. And and we did. Uh, and after the, like within, in the two week wait, I'm telling like the minute Beckett was like, here's my home made aversions happen. And so I could not carry on doing carnivore, even though the plan was that I was going to do that. I just could not. Like I took a bite of lamb. Ken took us me out to eat to celebrate. And I love lamb, rack of lamb. He ordered it, they brought it. And I was like, I can't eat this. That's so weird. Cause um, I hear that so much from people in my community. And I'm sure that you must hear that as well. People, when they start carnival, they feel like, oh my God, I can't eat so much meat. How do you eat so much meat? So the meat aversion, I was going to ask you about side effects um, when you transitioned to carnival. So how did you deal with the meat aversion? What did you eat instead? So at that point, I'd, I had done 90 days of carnivore. So I was like, this is fine. I'll just go back to keto. And I found I was able to eat raw meat. Really? Yes. And that that happened with my second pregnancy as well. But I, if it had to be cooked... And it was in a skillet and it was greasy and hot and it smelled up the house. I couldn't eat it. But if it was like steak tartare or tuna tartare or oysters, shrimp, any kind of raw meat, I could eat that very easily and loved it, craved it, actually. And then I could also eat deli meat because it was cold, uh, egg salad, things that were cold that didn't need to have that like hot meat aspect. And so I was still able to get plenty of protein. I also utilized um, protein shakes in, on the days where I was like, I just cannot eat anything because I, I had horrible, horrible, horrible morning sickness. Like it was very bad with Beckett. And so I utilized protein shakes as well because I knew getting my protein in was important for, you know, everything going on in my body, especially during pregnancy. So that's how I dealt with that. And it was, it's so interesting. I also craved milk. I hate milk. Um, like I have hated it since I was a child. <laughs> and when we were in school, we were offered milk to drink and that was it. And I would beg the lunch ladies to give me water. Please just let me drink water. I've always hated milk, but when I'm pregnant, I want icy milk and I drink a lot of it. And it, so that was really weird. I have to ask you two questions. So for the protein powder, I think people watching, they're going to think, well, is protein powder okay on carnivore? And what type of protein powder were you having? Right. So I think it depends on where you're at circumstances. Like for me, it was don't eat anything or drink a protein shake. What's the better option? A protein shake, obviously. Um, at the time, there weren't as many options and keto chow were so sweet to me. We were doing a lot of events throughout my whole pregnancy. We were at all these events and they would bring me 
shakes made up already. They were ready there for, with electrolytes because they knew I was suffering big time. So they were so supportive of me being able to stay as keto as I could during my pregnancies. They would offer me, they would send me packs of keto chow so that I could make it at home. And so that's what I was using at the time. Uh, with Bonnie, I used a beef isolate protein powder because there, there are so many options now compared to five years ago when I was pregnant with Beckett. So I think always consider what's the better option and not the perfect option. I love that. And that's what, what we're going to talk about later, which is you now do carnival-ish so because you like the variation. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And what's working for you and you're still able to keep your autoimmune disease in remission and still have great energy. Um, with Bonnie, your second child, was that a natural pregnancy? Yes, it was. So um, like I said, I had to go through IVF for Beckett and I didn't really have that many eggs. That's why we only had one chance to get pregnant with our IVF process. So he was a miracle in his own way. And then uh, right after his second birthday, I used no protection. We were not trying not to get pregnant and it just hadn't happened. And I told Ken, I was like, I'm one and done. It's fine. He's a lot. We got a lot going on. Let's just stop trying or not trying, but you know, let's just not worry about having another baby. And Rena, I'm not kidding. Six weeks later, I was pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. I was, I was, it was a real shock to my system. A lot of women probably don't talk about this type of thing, but I had such a terrible pregnancy. So much happened during my pregnancy. I had a traumatic delivery. I had a horrible injury. Um, that first pregnancy was not a joy. He was the only joy, right? Everything that could go wrong during that pregnancy went wrong. So I was immediately terrified. I couldn't even like wrap my head around how amazing it was that I got pregnant on my own because I was just like scared out of my mind. But once I was like, okay, okay, baby, I'm having another baby. And I knew immediately it was a girl. I just knew. And then I started going, what have I changed lately that maybe made my body say, okay, let's get pregnant. And it was, I was eating much more than I normally was eating when it comes to like ribeyes, like fatty cuts of meat. I had started to work out and I hate, I hate working out. <laughs> if you follow me on YouTube, you know, it's not my favorite thing. I'd done a few more, taken a few extra steps, like making sure I was trying to, Beckett had finally started sleeping at two years old. He was a horrible sleeper. So I finally started sleeping through the night. Like uh, those tiny little things, I think, tipped my body in, in a direction of feeling safe enough to get pregnant again. And then I was like, wow, okay, this baby is literally a miracle baby. This, this way of eating does so much more than I ever thought it could because you see people getting pregnant all the time and you just, I'm a very realistic person. I'm like, that's probably not going to happen to me. The odds of that happening to me are low. And uh, I'd been off thyroid medication too since 2020. I just stopped. And when I went carnivore and that helped me a lot, but definitely I put a lot of weight on my natural pregnancy on the fact that I was eating so meat-based and had taken those few extra steps to like move my body and get enough rest that it was just the perfect, perfect little place for her to enter the world. So if somebody's thinking, okay, carnival sounds great. I want to transition. So for you, when you, cause you were already doing keto and then you went to carnival. So I'm guessing that the transition was pretty easy. No major side effects. Yeah. I really didn't see any side effects, honestly, because like I said, even my keto was very, very meat based. Well, I'm thinking of people that are going from a standard American diet or any other diet. And they're thinking, wow, Nisha sounds great. I have seen all these trans transformative stories. I'm doing carnival tomorrow, ribeye. But we know we shouldn't be doing that. How do you think somebody should transition to a carnivore diet to avoid common side effects? Slow and steady. I think uh, reducing your carbohydrates the lazy keto way by eating burger bowls with no bun and stopping the processed, you know, French fries, pizzas, even just eating pizza toppings, like 
pizza bowls, those type of just that first step in the direction and then take another step and then take another step and then take another step until you're you're naturally becoming more inclined to eat and more meat-based way of eating. And then if you truly want to do carnivore, then I always ask people why. Why do you want to do carnivore? Because if you don't have a good reason for a lot of people that carnivore is a radical diet, you're giving up everything but meat if you're doing it properly for the right reasons, for healing, for elimination diet, those type of things. If you don't have a good reason, the odds of you going meh after a weekend, pretty good. But if you have a reason like I want to heal my body, my gut, my autoimmune disease, uh, I want to get pregnant. I want to lower my A1C as much as possible. I want to see uh, what foods, you know, I'm doing this as an elimination diet. And I'm going to reintroduce foods and see how I react. That's a good reason to keep you on a 90-day carnivore experiment to dip your toe in. And I also tell people to start with 30 days of carnivore. You can always add that other 30 days in. And then you're more likely to be like, I can do 30 days. I can do 60 days. I can do 90 days. And just like if anybody's read Atomic Habits, it's setting up those systems to be able to move towards what you want and to realize that you don't have to just jump right into carnivore to get the benefits. You can ease your way into it. But once you take that step, you definitely need to have a good reason why, because there will be days when you're like, this ribeye doesn't look as good as it did before. <laughs> it's just, I'm so tired of ribeye. I'm so tired of bacon and eggs. You know, for a lot of people that happens, but for some people it doesn't. Some people thrive on carnivore right out of the gate and love it. And then, you know, from 90 days, it becomes a lifestyle. And I think there's just, a, you know, probably three subsets of people who want to try carnivore. And one subset is, I just want to lose weight. You need a better reason, honestly, uh, because the benefits, that's reductive to be like, I'm doing carnivore to lose weight because you're just pushing all those other benefits to the wayside and not addressing how carnivore can actually totally change your body and your mind and the way your body and your mind talk to each other. It's, it's, it's magical. Honestly, carnivore is magical. The way that it clears your mind, heals your gut, reduces symptoms, get your labs in the right direction, that sort of thing. But weight loss, that can't be your only way. And then there's people who do it because it's popular. They want to do it because it's the thing. And now they're like, Oh, this is the new thing. And if I'm not doing carnivore, then I'm not doing it right. So they do it. And then there's the subset of people who are like listening to your channel and hearing all these healing journeys and see the true benefits of carnivore. And they're like, I want that. I want that for me. And those, it's that last group that have heard these stories over and over again and realize that it's more than just weight loss and it's more than just a trend on TikTok, but it is a healing diet um, that you don't necessarily have to do forever but it's a wonderful tool for those who are interested in optimizing their health and longevity. Absolutely. I love carnivore and I've been doing it for three and a half years, but I needed to address a topic that I've seen in my YouTube comments. Um, they say, can you please address a question around, I'm doing carnivore, I'm not feeling great. I see so many people doing great. I am not doing great. Why is this and what can I do about it? I think it's so hard, <laughs> right? It's such a generalized question. And, but majority of the time, the people who are doing carnivore and saying, I don't feel good, have unwittingly done a few things in their transition to carnivore. One is they're not eating enough fat. One is they've increased their dairy intake because dairy is considered carnivore and dairy can affect some people in a negative way. And if you increase it, like if you're putting cheese on every single thing that you're eating, that's a huge increase in dairy consumption, which can sometimes cause problems instead of making you feel better. And another thing is a lot of people jump into carnivore and they also do OMAD. And it's like, you, that's too much. You eat, eat, you're eating the most nutrient dense food on the planet. If you were hungry, 
eat it. So like you said, it's a generalized question. There could be a hundred things going on with that person that's causing them not to feel well. Could be electrolytes. They're not getting enough salt. Could be, you know, they're, they're also doing unhealthy things while they're doing carnivore diet, right? We don't know what they're doing at night. And, you know, they could be all kinds of things going on. But for the most part, that's what I say. Not eating enough, not eating enough fat, not eating enough salt, and increasing that dairy so much that it counteracts the benefits of the meat because they have a dairy sensitivity that they don't even know about. The other thing is differences in bowel movements. So a main struggle that so many people see, diarrhea or constipation, or just how, what is your best advice for that for somebody starting carnivore? Well, it depends on how long they've done carnivore. If they're in the first week or two, a lot of and what did they come from, right? Another like details matter here. How were you eating? How were you eating before you went carnivore? Um, how long have you been doing carnivore? And the answer will reflect on a lot of things, right? So if you've only been doing carnivore a week or two, and you came from highly processed keto product type keto, this is probably just your body reacting to that transition from what I call standard keto, standard American keto, because <laughs> it's full of junk food, to a nutrient dense, high, high protein, high fat way of eating your body. It's reacting to you changing things all of a sudden. That, so that, those bowel symptoms can just be part of the process and are temporary. Some people uh, may be eating too much fat. While some people eat too little, it could go the other way too. If you're consuming, you know, tons and tons of fat and you're having diarrhea, maybe lay off the fat a little bit and just eat the fat that's attached to your meat, like fatty ribeyes, bacon, you know, fatty pork ribs, those type of fatty meats. You're still going to get plenty of fat if you're doing that. You don't have to add fat if you're having those kinds of symptoms. Um, and for constipation, it could be they're not eating enough fat. Or they're not drinking enough electrolytes. They're not, you know, they need some magnesium or something like that to help get them moving. Uh, a lot of people don't understand constipation too. A lot of people think, well, I haven't pooped in two days. I must be constipated. But constipation is an actual diagnosis, which means you're it's painful and hard to go. And, and your poop is like rock hard, basically. So that true constipation, that comes from not eating enough fat, not drinking enough electrolyte water, not getting enough magnesium or something like that. It's usually something along those lines. But the diarrhea, that's usually either transitional or you're downing too much fat. So talking about fat, I have to ask you about the sticker butter trend. What does Nisha and Dr. Ken Berry think about adding in a stick of butter to your meat? Is that carnivore? Sure. It's definitely carnivore. And if you love it and you feel great eating a stick of butter, then I say good for you, sis. Um, but, and, and also for Dr. Bright, when she uses that in her 30 day protocol, it's not a lifestyle that she recommends, right? 30 day protocol. She's really just wanting women who are going through menopause and things like that to boost that fat, to get their hormones in line because fat can optimize hormones. And so if you're a woman who needs to optimize your hormones, then that extra stick of butter might help you get over that hump. Um, but I always like, it's an, it's not necessary. I don't need a stick of butter all the time, but there have been times in my life where I just stayed at the butter dish and I ate it because my body was like, you need fat. And the, that's the mag another magical thing about carnivore is it clears the pathway for you to trust when your body sends you signals. Like my body never goes, you need donuts because I've gotten rid of that. I don't have to do that anymore. I've been doing this six years, right? So that part is gone. The craving for Doritos and the pizza, it doesn't hit me unless I do something really stupid. <laughs> but if people just get out of their own way, do the carnivore for 90 days, then the body is ancient and wise and it will speak to you and it will tell you what you need and things that taste good your body needs. And if it doesn't taste good or you don't feel right, you get nauseous, maybe you shouldn't force yourself to eat that, right? And I think a lot of times, because there's so much information on the internet, which is a great thing, but also can be a bad thing, people end up hearing so much information that they gaslight themselves to feeling a certain way. And then like they're wondering, who's who, like, it's, it's my fault. I'm not doing it right. Uh, this must be because of this, because they've heard seven different things. 
on several different days in one week. And now they're just confused. And so I really, that's what I advocate for is to, there are so many health experts on the internet and I'm grateful for them all. I'm married to one, right? However, you have to become your own health expert. You have to be able to take that next step to take self-accountability and be like, no one knows how I'm going to feel when I eat this way, except me. Because only you live in your body. Only you know what's going on up here. Only you know how much pain you're having. Only you know which side effects are improving or not improving. And you can research as much as you want on the internet. But until you do that research on yourself, you're really not getting the benefits because you, you have to put in the effort. You have to put in the time. You have to have the patience to become your own health expert. Absolutely. Words of wisdom from Nisha. Um, I wanted to ask, so going back to your journey, you did carnivore for the 90 days. You had a beautiful pregnant, well, not so beautiful with Beckett, but a beautiful baby anyway. Um, and then you had the meat aversion. And then you just thought, well, okay, I'm going to go back to ketovore. So you're transitioning out of carnivore. And this is a topic I want to talk about. I think people think I have to be carnivore or I'm not carnivore. First of all, what is ketovore for people that might not know? So after I had Beckett, I did carnivore for 90 days because I was terrified that my thyroid would start acting up after pregnancy. For a lot of women, pregnancy will just make your thyroid crazy. Your hormones will go crazy. <laughs> the fourth trimester is what we call it. Because those three months after you have the baby, your body is just like, I don't know what to do. I don't, you're crying, you're laughing, everything. It's wild. It's a wild ride. So I did 90 days to kind of make that bridge easier on my body. And uh, then I decided to reintroduce a few things back in. Onions are my favorite thing. Uh, so I reintroduced onions every now and then I'd have guacamole. And I made what I eat in a day videos in 2020. This was all in 2020 during the lockdown. What a fun time, right? <laughs> and I'd felt so good after those 90 days. I took myself off thyroid medication. Now, I don't recommend anybody else to do that. Talk to your provider, okay? But I'm married to a doctor and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to stop. I didn't even tell him. Eventually, I told him. But I felt so good. I was like, everything's working properly. I feel amazing. Um, and so I introduced those things and I was making these what I eat in a day vlogs. And I'm, I feel differently now than I did then. Back then I was a real stickler for words mean things. And that, while I still believe that, I feel like people can maybe get a little too dogmatic in that aspect, but I didn't want to say I was carnivore if I was still eating onions and salsa and some tomatoes and avocado, because that's not truly carnivore. I feel like that was misrepresenting the carnivore diet. So I just started calling it ketovore. And apparently other people had been calling that, using that term for a while, but I hadn't heard it. I just made it up for myself to be able to tell people that I was eating mo mostly meat, but that I had reintroduced these foods. My body seemed to not react to them. I was thriving, feeling amazing. I was breastfeeding. I was doing all these things. And so I just dubbed it ketovore. <laughs> and so what, when I run a challenge of ketovore, I set up a rule base because I think there's a difference between doing something as like a challenge for yourself and then having a lifestyle. So during the challenge, I set a limit for people to have t under 10 total grams of carbohydrates per day. And those carbohydrates cannot come from products. They have to come from vegetables, um, seasonings, sauces that are clean ingredients. That's where the carb, you can't use a keto product. I don't care if it came in a box, you can't use it. That's for the challenge. Five days out of the week are meat only with seasons and seasonings and sauces allowed. Two days of the week, you can bring in one vegetable that's a low carb vegetable on those. I call them flex days and they're not designated. It's not five days, Monday through Friday, I'm, I'm carnivore. And on the weekends, I'm ketovore. It's when you feel like you need a little variety. Because if you just lay it, you don't know how you're going to feel throughout the week. So say you did really awesome for four days, eating just meat with the seasonings and sauces. And then the next day, you're like, I'm bored. That's the day you bring in that low carb vegetable. And you cook, you have to cook it in animal fat. I only I tell them only use animal fat. So you can use tallow, butter, bacon fat, whatever animal fat that you like and season it like you like, and then go right back. Do meat again until you get to a point where you need that flex day again. And so that's what I deem 
a Ketivore type scenario where, and I tell people to use that to go carnivore. So what if people are listening to this and they think, well, plants are trying to kill you and onions are acidic and avocado in the avocado and guacamole has fiber. That's really bad, Nisha. Just trying to forecast what people might be thinking. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, I know. I see it all the time. What do you have to say to that, Nisha? So what I always tell now going forward on my channel, because I'm sick of those comments, honestly, I'm just exhausted. It's exhausting. As I say, I eat what makes me feel good and I don't eat what makes me not feel good. And it's as simple as that. That's it. If the tomatoes were causing me a problem, I wouldn't eat them. If the onions started causing me gastric issues, I would stop eating them. It has nothing to do with me thinking that fiber is good. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like you said, I just, I eat what makes me feel good. And if it doesn't make me feel good, I don't eat it. And it's just that simple. And because I put in the work to do carnivore and reintroduce those foods, I am able to be very honest with how I'm reacted to a food. Like I loved, I love turnip greens. I love them. I'm a Southern girl. I grew up, you know, my grandma made cornbread and turnip greens, hog jowl. It's a favorite thing. However, I reintroduced that. Like I go months and months without eating any greens. But if I'm somewhere where they're at, then I may have some. And my husband's grandmother, Granny Berry, she had made turnip greens. And I was like, I'm going to have some. So I did. And I had a full body reaction to a very small portion of turnip greens. I had pain like I hadn't had in years, just like I had the flu. It felt like I had the flu. I had a headache, head to toe, my body was hurting. And I knew right then that's, that's a red food for me. And this is something I've picked up. I can't remember who originally said it, but putting foods in categories, green foods, I can have all I want. So for me, that's bacon, eggs, beef, chicken, onions, seemingly. And then there are yellow foods, which I can have on occasion, but I may have a tiny reaction to, but I'm willing to be like, I'm going to have that today. And just like, I'll get over it. And then red foods that are like, I, I can never eat those again. I just can't. My reaction is so severe that I'm not even tempted to touch those. So I'll never even try to eat turnip greens again. I know I've done it a few times at this point. It's a solid no. It's a solid red. I can't do that. I can never eat pasta ever again. The time I reintroduced it, which was right before I got pregnant with Beckett, I was up all night in the bathroom. Like, it's not. It's not going to happen. I can't reintroduce that with positive results. This is not going to work. Red food. And being able to be honest with myself, like, even if I love that food, I love my body and I love feeling good more than I love the 10-minute experience of eating this treat or whatever. So I think just knowing which foods cause me pain and side effects and brain fog and all the different things, because I've done it to for six years now, I'm such, I'm at a place where I don't care what anyone says on the internet. I am my own health, health expert at this point. Now I may not be an expert on Anything else? I think I am, but I'm just for the sake of this argument. I am I am an expert on me, and you can't tell me what I can and cannot eat when I have done the work, I've put in the effort, and I've done the time to be able to say I can eat this, and my body is okay, and I can't eat this because my body won't be okay, and I eat what I want, and that's just it. It's not it's not a label. It's it's my life. Let's talk about this label thing. So in so many of your videos, you say carnivore-ish. So it's your animal-based. Um, even your community with Dr. Ken Berry, it's called the proper human diet. It's not carnivore-based. It's not, I mean, sorry, it's not carnivore. It's not ketovore. It is proper human diet. Can you elaborate more on moving away from a label and going into a lifestyle? What does that mean? I think people become very attached to labels in a in an unhealthy way. Uh, it starts out as innocent, but then very quickly can turn into um, cultish type behavior uh, in the way that it's you're alienating the people who aren't doing it the way that you are doing it instead of being a team and a community, and we're all we all agree 
the, the standard American diet's not it. The high inflammatory food, that's not it. We all actually agree on the 90% that matters, that meat is healthy. We should get plenty of good quality animal meat. Um, if you can't afford grass-fed, surely to God, most most people on YouTube would say, eating what you can afford is better than going to, to the chip section, right? Like we agree on that. And just the labels tend to split people and cause animosity and, and confusion and, we all have, we fit somewhere on this proper human diet spectrum. There's a place for all of us. And, and to say there's only one way, again, reductive and, and just simply not true because we can't all do it the same way because we all have hurdles we're having to jump over. If you have a food addiction, if you have a, a history of an eating disorder, you know, if you are living on a very limited budget, like there are just things that some people, they have to make sacrifices where they can and just make that better choice instead of being perfect. And it makes a lot of people feel like they don't belong, even though they're doing the best that they can. And we, none of us knew everything when we first started either. And so by pretending or <laughs> acting like, there is only one way. And, and these radical statements, which most of the time, Rena, you know, get taken out of context and is not actually what that person said in the first place. Um, it's just, it keeps people from taking that next step because they're afraid that they'll get told they're not doing it right. Or you can't do that because they can for a time probably and see success. You don't have to do it perfect to be moving in the right direction. Those little steps, tiny habits make big changes. I, when I first started, I was, I called it keto-ish is what I was doing because there were days when I was like, you know, I'm going to have pizza at work with the other nurses. We, they ordered pizza. I'm going to have a pizza, but you know what I let that led to me eating just the toppings off the pizza. With, which led to me ordering a pizza bowl. Like I taught the pizza place how to make a pizza without the crust, which led to me decreasing my dairy because I was like, oh, I don't know, this is too much sauce. This is too much. This doesn't feel right. I need more protein. Those steps pushed me in the direction of doing the things that would continue to improve my health. And so I just, we use the proper human diet spectrum because we want people to understand that you fit here somewhere and we're going to help you find where you fit. And carnivore can be used as a tool. You don't have to do it for life. If you feel like that's not where you fit on the spectrum. If you're not someone who has multiple autoimmune diseases, or you're not somebody who just loves carnivore, there are people who just love it. And there are people who have to do it because their health depends on it. And there are people who can do it like me and do it most days out of the month. And then have, you know, a few non-inflammatory vegetables for them and teaching them, do this for 90 days. Let's walk you through reintroduction and you find where you fit on this spectrum. But we have, we, I have a rule when I'm running these challenges. You have to be honest. You cannot say, I get to have dairy and then send me a message that says, my eczema is still bad. I'm still having pain. Uh, I still have sinus congestion. You can't do that. You have to say, it could be the dairy and then take the dairy out and do the work to find out like where you fall on that dairy spectrum. Can you, is it the liquid dairy that's causing you issues? Like there's, it has to, you have to put in the work. You just, you have to, or you can just go carnivore and not worry about it ever again. Like that's, I think that's why people sometimes stay on carnivore because it is so simple. Like you, it's simple. Eat the fatty meat, move on with your day. And for a lot of people not having to worry about what their next meal is, meal prepping, recipes, like pick a piece of meat, season it, put some fat in the skillet, fry it up. You're done. You don't need a cookbook for that. And the simplicity of carnivore, I think it helps a lot of people too, because it's simple. Beef, butter, bacon, and eggs, there's a reason why that caught on. I wanted to ask you, you said carnivore as a tool. So you went back to carnivore because you said, I have to go back to carnivore. And then you called it carnival-ish, which I loved. Why did you have to go back to Carnival around six months ago? It was mostly because of 
the mental aspects, I guess, that I was seeing that I, I, I had allowed things to creep in and I had lied to myself. This is like, I'm talking to myself too. I'm not just talking down to other people. I, we as humans, we love to tell ourselves we're doing everything right and everything's fine. But at one some point I was like, I can't continue to eat my kids' snacks <laughs> because I'm having anxiety a little more. I'm being a little more stressed out. There was some drama going on at the time and eating some almond flour crackers was not helping me. So I was like, I need a reset basically is what I needed. I needed to clean it up. I needed to reset. And I do that probably twice a year, at least. I'm like, nope, nope. We've let things creep in. We got to tighten it up. Stop lying to yourself and being like, it's fine. It's fine. I'll have a bite. Getting back to basics and just reminding myself, you really do feel better when it's mostly just meat and your, your, your things that you know work for you. It's the sometimes salsa, it's the onions on your steak, it's the guacamole on your taco bowl. That's where you feel your best. Stop trying to make it, stop trying to make this other version work for you when you already know. It doesn't. <laughs> you already know when you start doing those things, you start feeling worse. You start hurting more. My back was starting, my neck was starting to inflame again. I could just tell. My pain was coming back and I knew what I, I knew I had to do what I had to do. I knew I had to go back and do like two weeks of only meat, give my gut a chance to like reboot and, and like, we're not perfect people. Every now and then we slip up and do something that we know may affect our health and wellness. And that can be things other than food. It can be staying up too late. Um, I'd done that as well. I'd let myself stay up too late watching TV, even though it wasn't good and, I had to reset everything. It wasn't just, I have to go back to carnivore. It was like, I have to stop staying up till 3 a.m. With two kids. Wow, that's pretty bad. How did you have a life like 3 a.m.? How did you get up the next day? Right. Uh, barely. Yeah. <laughs> but it was because, so I think a lot of moms, if you're a mom watching, you you need, sometimes it's like you don't have any time to yourself. And at night, the house is quiet. No one's mama, 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 mama. No one's asking you to do things. You're not doing all the things that you do during the day. And it's just so tempting to stay up and have me time, which is fine. But when it reaches a point where it's like, it's, that's, you need to be in bed, you need to go sleep. Then that's when things become a problem. And I had let that become a problem. <laughs> I understand that we have to work on different aspects of our health, not just what we eat. But I want to get into now these insider tips from you and Dr. Berry. And if you want more of these insider tips, you can always join our Go Carnivore app. Every week we have meal plans, fat loss challenges, and recipes, and experts like Nisha every single week to help support you. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to gocarnivore.com. But Nisha, what is the first insider tip for people to start carnivore? Do one week. Do one week. Commit to one week of just doing true carnivore, no fluff, no protein shakes, truly meat only and commit to one week because it's easy for someone to do one week. So when you say to commit for one week to carnivore and no protein shakes, what are you eating? Does it include coffee, dairy, artificial sweeteners? I think the first step, yes. I think you can include those things because the plan is to get you to take that next step and to not hate it. So if I'm taking everything away from you, the odds of you bucking at that, like your body and mind, like reacting in a totally negative way, like I can't have anything. It, you're going to lean more in the negative direction where if I'm like, what do you think you can give up right now? Like you're already giving up vegetables and all that stuff. You're doing meat only. Do you think you can give up dairy too? Or is that too much? Do you think you can give up the caffeine? Or do you think that's too much? And learning what that person, that individual is ready to commit to, and then allowing them to make that choice for themselves. Because if they stick with it, then further down the road, chances are they're going to say, okay, it's time I'm going I'm to give up dairy now. Or I'm going to give up the coffee for 30 days. Or fill in the blank. And giving them permission to make that decision on their own makes that transition 
a bit easier and easier to swallow. And what would be the next tip? Um, the next tip would be to join a community, uh, any community that supports whatever way of eating you're choosing to do. So if you're doing a triple BNE, you may want to join our triple BNE challenge if we're running it or another community that supports a carnivore lifestyle. Uh, you don't want to do a triple BNE challenge and join a newbie keto group. That's not going to work out well for you, right? Uh, so, or just find a buddy, someone to do it with you. A support system is so important when it comes to making life changes and and having someone to go through it with you that's that's the next step that i think everyone should take have some kind of support system was it easier to to do carnival cuz you mentioned the support and the community was it easier to do it with dr berry next to you he's who was already carnival yeah i think so probably but also at the same time, I was, I was working as a full-time labor and delivery nurse and none of the people around me were doing that. It was still pizza Wednesdays, um, snacks out of the vending machine. So when I was at work, I didn't have that support system. But it was nice to know when I went home, I have a, I had a safe place. And I think that's the majority of people. Like, you're going to go to work and be surrounded by temptation and people going, why are you only eating meat? And where's your bread for your sandwich? Because I would bring a thing of deli meat and cheese. Like... A charcuterie board, redneck charcuterie board, right? It was just like basic stuff. And you're going to get those kinds of judgments. But the support system from Ken definitely helped a lot because I, I wasn't, I was surrounded by healthcare professionals too. So like the doctors that I worked with would be like, you're going to get, oh, you're going to have a heart attack. They would probably have said that to me, but because I was married to a doctor, they didn't really say that type of stuff to me as much as they would have. Because I think they thought she has a doctor husband. If something goes wrong, he's got her and he's doing it too. And I always came at it as like, oh, this, I'm just trying it. I'm not doing this forever. Like I'm just doing it for a short amount of time because I, I genuinely, I didn't know how long I was going to do it, but it was also easier to, for people to be like, oh, okay. If I was like, well, I'm not turning into a carnivore person. Like I'm going to have some stuff every now and then they were like, oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's fine. Where if I'd been like, I'm going to do this forever and ever, but then, uh, so I told, I said, I gained about 40 pounds. So I, I would wear scrubs. Scrubs are very forgiving. I think Ken has said that on his channel before. I went up two scrub sizes. That's how much I gained in my waist. So when I started losing that extra weight, then they were like, oh, what are you doing exactly? Tell me exactly what, how you're eating, what you're eating, because they saw me drop that weight pretty quickly because it was mostly inflammation. Like my weight came from inflammation. You can see if you look back at my older videos, my face is very round, like very, very round, which is typical of Hashimoto's. You get a round moon face is what they call it. My face slimmed down. Uh, my, I just lost all that water and inflammation and it just melted right off. So all the nurses always want to lose weight, but they're not, they're not willing to make extreme changes. After that, three of the other nurses started doing keto with me and we would do like a potluck on the weekends if we were working a weekend shift and we would bring keto dishes and stuff like that. So it was really nice to find, to have them see my results and go, oh, maybe this isn't crazy. Maybe I should try this too. And what would be your last insider tip that the best one that you'd give to somebody aspiring to be carnival? Hmm. Take your time. Um, take your time with the transition. If your goal is to get to carnivore, then you're going to get there no matter what way you take. If you take the overnight, I'm jumping right in path, cool. But if, if you feel like you maybe need to transition a little slowly and it's slower, then that's okay too. And there's no right way to get where you want to go. There's only the path that is going to work for you. And if you try to be someone else, do something, do someone else's way of it, and you're not the same type of person, me and Rena have different personalities what would work for me maybe wouldn't work for her. And just saying that's okay. Like, cause it is, as long as you try to figure out a path to finding a better way of eating that is following basic guidelines, stop eating processed sugars, stop getting products, start eating real food, cut your carbs down, 
Uh, don't drink sugary drinks, cut out the seed oils. Like there's basic fundamentals that anybody can do. And then when you're ready, take that next step, lower the carbs again, take the next step, take that next step and give yourself the grace to know that just because you didn't do it overnight doesn't mean you did it wrong. And once you're six years into it, like Nisha, you can focus on the other aspects of health. How has mindset played a factor in your health? I would say for me, it's 50-50. No, I would say 51-49. 51% my diet. Because if you start cleaning up your diet, then your mind starts to heal and you're able to change your mindset. If you try to do it the other way around and just try to like make yourself be a completely different person, but you're still feeding yourself all this inflammatory food, it's probably not going to work. Step one is cut your carbs down. If you're a carb addict, if you're, you know, you have some sort of issues with your relationship with food. It, that is mindset. It's a lot of mindset. But if you don't take that first step, you can't move forward. So start with food. It is the important part for your brain to heal. Uh, then you can start with the mindset stuff, like making sure you are not mindlessly eating, that you are in the moment when you're making those choices, those food choices, those lifestyle choices, and diving down deep inside yourself and finding those ugly parts that keep you from being the successful person that you want to be. Most of us want to be successful people, but we know there's little parts of us that hold us back. And if you just push those down forever, they'll come back up and bite you. They'll throw you off the path. And anytime you fall off the wagon, I always tell anybody in our group, if you fell off, that's fine. Don't beat yourself up. But you need to have a conversation with yourself about why it happened. What events led to this, you know, binge or this, um, you know, if you were in a situation where you were peer pressured, like what exactly was it that caused you to eat that thing that you said you weren't going to eat and addressing those things and then moving forward, but making a plan for the next time that you're in that situation, like what are you going to do next time to make sure that you don't fall into that same trap and you become the person that you want to be, the person who's like, no, thank you. And it and leaves it at that. You don't have to explain yourself. You can just say, no, thank you. A lot of people, it's the stress in their life. They need to address the stress in their life. And if, if you can fix that problem, fix it. But if you can't, then you got to let it go. Mindset is just like diet. It doesn't happen overnight. It's reteaching yourself these habits of how you perceive situations, how you react to situations, and how you allow external factors to affect you and your lifestyle. And it's taken me years to get to that point. But if I had not done carnivore, really high fat carnivore, I still couldn't push past that last leg because the inflammation will keep your brain sick, will keep the anxiety right here instead of down low, the depression creeping in, the ability, it's an ability, it's not a good ability to dissect everything and, and, you know, find something to be upset about. Those type of things, that comes from fatty meat healing. It does. Um, I'd love the book Brain Energy. I tell people to read that all the time. Uh, Georgia Ede just came out with a book as well that I think speaks on a lot of mental health issues. It's something that doesn't get talked about as much as weight loss, but it should because meat heals the brain. It just does. Fatty meat. Emphasis on the fatty. Because if I was eating chicken breast all day, I, I would start to see side effects from that. Is that carnivore? Yes, it is. But is that carnivore ripe for me? So even there is nuances within carnivore. If you're eating lean, be lean beef, lean chicken, lean fish all the time, and you're someone who needs that fat, that type of carnivore is not going to work for you. And just realizing there are different nuances when it comes to carnivore as well, when it comes to fat, low fat, um, histamine reaction, oxalates, all that stuff. That can affect you too. So finding your right spot in carnivore is also a journey. And I think a lot of people just think 
carnivores. I'm eating all meat, therefore I'm done here. And sometimes it's a little deeper for people with other types of issues, mental health, especially. I think you really have to dive into making sure you're getting enough fat. Maybe the quality of your meat does start to matter if you have those type of issues, if you've been on any kind of medications, you know, that, that journey, that's even deeper. So depending on where you are in life and health, you may have to do a little bit more work, but that doesn't mean that you're not doing it right for now. You know, you'll get there. Don't get overwhelmed with all the different words and the styles and the fast and the OMAD and all that stuff. There's no quick fix. That's what I want people to really know. There's no quick fix. And if you hear that there is, then that person is lying to you. Absolutely. Unless you have Dr. Barry next to you and then you're like, well, he can give you all the advice. I mean, you had just, honestly, like for you to fix everything in a few months, like, I mean, you know, like you've got Dr. Barry next to you, plus you're a nurse. So you've got, I, I think people wish that they had that experience with them because there's just so many people lost. But if people love you, Nisha, and they want to hear more from you, where can they find you? They can find me on YouTube mostly. I love YouTube. It's my favorite social media. Uh, it's just my name, Nisha, N-E-I-S-H-A. Then I'm on Instagram second. Sometimes Instagram will post for me on Facebook, but I'm really not there. So if you want to come hang out with me, YouTube, Instagram, that's where to find me. And inside our private community, I'm in there every single day. <laughs> I hope you enjoy this interview. Now you need to watch this video next with Laura Spath. She'll teach you how to start the carnival diet the right way and some mistakes she made along the way.